Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew tonight as we bring you Talking in Circles. It was a dominating day for Martin Trucks Jr. at Martinsville. We'll discuss that. Also, the fight between Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano. Uh, what does it mean going down the road? Could they? Could there be some kind of uh, retaliation involved in either one of those drivers? Also, you had Eric Amarola and Kyle Busch get do a little bit of tip. We'll break down the whole weekend from Martinsville Speedway, including the Truck Series race where Todd Goland went to victory lane for the first time in his Truck Series career and then made some interesting comments, to say the least, as he crossed the start-finish line about his boss, Kyle Busch. We'll discuss that as well. What does it mean for his future and the future of DGR Crosley Racing? We'll discuss that as well. And also uh, we'll discuss Matt Tiff, who had what is now determined to be a seizure at Martinsville on Sunday. Missed the race, Matt Crafton from the 36. They announced that John Hunter Nemechek will finish out the year in the 36 in three races. We'll tip run next year even. Uh, it, it could be a little while. We'll see. We'll discuss that and what the future means for Frontwood Motorsports. And we'll take your phone calls, 917-889-8280 and everything else in the world of NASCAR here tonight on Talking in Circles. The first day of 500 Martinsville Speedway, it was a race that was dominated, Philip, by Martin Truex Jr. I mean, here's a guy who, before the year, hadn't run a, won a short track race. He goes out there at Martinsville, and I know this package is not what we want it to be on these short tracks, unfortunately, where clean air and, and aerodynamics seem to be a major factor here at Martinsville this weekend. But a dominating performance for Martin Truex Jr., uh, leading 464 the race's 500 laps. Really, nobody was getting able to touch him. But there were a few guys who had some decent runs. But what were your thoughts on Martin Trex Jr.'s day at Martinsville? Yeah, I mean, you have to give credit to him and Cole Parn, uh, that whole team, to lock their ticket in a homestead without really having to sweat. Um, it's amazing to think that the guy had never won a short track race. But this great, superb 550 rules package is kind of, uh, played in Martin and Cole's hand in the way I guess he drives and the way that Cole likes to call races. And I, I mean, I don't really know what the magic formula is. I, I kind of, I, I feel possibly that that's just the thought that the fact that there's a little, there's more uh, close relationship compared to what they had when they were out in Denver with the technology and data sharing and being able to kind of see what, you know, Kyle and Denny are able to do at these tracks, which short track racing has been something that both of those drivers in their careers have been able to do well. I think that's also helped the 19 group. And they quietly, systematically went and went about the season. And while the accolades in a lot of ways, I mean, the whole Joe Gibbs racing, all three of them guys have been getting their fair share, but, I think more than the 18 and the 11, the 19, and that whole group has went with a with a mentality of, you know, we're gonna go and and get this deal, you know, and and the way he ran on Sunday, you know, he he now has they have three weeks to prepare a car to go and get that second championship in three years. And there was people I was talking to and the comparisons to Dale Garrett and how basically for the first part of his career, he was not really a big factor. And then something switched in the case 
the Dale Jarrett or Todd Parrott and the 88 crew and all of that, and you became a Hall of Famer, albeit he had done some Hall of Fame-worthy things. Martin Truex, since getting with Cole Pern, and even before that to a lesser extent, um, has been a Hall of Fame, is building a Hall of Fame resume. And if he can go and win this championship in a couple of weeks, then he's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. Because every multiple-time cup champion is already in and is going to be. Uh, that's something to say for them, and you got to give credit. Um, Gibbs has utilized this package to a T, and, um, you know, I figure next year and Chris Bell and all of them come along. It might be an interesting dynamic to see how that works. But Martin Truex, credit to them. Cole Pern, one of the best crew chiefs in the business, whether they pass inspection or not on a weekly basis. Um, domination at Martinsville, even better than what Brad did in, in April when he was, I think, 446. Uh, he leaves over 460 laps on Sunday, and it really wasn't a contest. But there were other guys that actually did some work um, as well, but nowhere near to that extent. Yeah, I think the driver who impressed me the most on Sunday at Martinsville, believe it or not, was William Byron. Now, I know, again, uh, it was a different package than what we've seen here in the past, a different way the track raced. But, you know, that crew, the crew chief for that 24 car has been a crew chief who's had a lot of success at Martinsville with Jimmy Johnson in the past. And Jimmy didn't have a great day. I know he got involved into an accident late. That really wasn't his fault. But he was probably a 10th place car at best at Martinsville on Sunday. Um, but William Byron was sensational. He ran in the top five all day, qualified 11th. Um, I thought that that 24 car, that was the best race, the best full race that the 24 car has put together in his career. And it just seems like they're getting closer and closer to that first win. And I thought William Byron had a really good run. Um, I think Brad Keselowski, a, a nice bounce back weekend, you know, didn't lead any laps, of course, because who else did besides Truex, but a, a, a decent day for that Alliance Truck Parts team over there. Denny Hamlin, we know his little antics at the end of the race uh, with Joe Logano, um, but a good day, solid day for him in fourth. And, and Ryan Blaney, I thought, had a really strong day, too, in fifth. You know, a lot of drivers in that top five there, Philip, who um, really needed a good day and were able to get it. Uh, Blaney, uh, I think Kozlowski, and I know Kozlowski's out of the championship race right now, but, you know, just to kind of get that momentum back and get things pointed in the right direction for that two team. And, of course, William Byron, who's still – you know, out of the playoffs, no doubt about it, but uh, I think what you're looking at for him in, the la- in these last uh, three races of 2019 is to maybe get that momentum, get some consistent finishes under your belt so when 2020 comes along, you can be right there and, and start winning some races and put yourself in the championship conversation. Uh, so I thought there were some decent guys there uh, in the top five who had some nice days. Yeah, I was. that's exactly why I kind of tried to go and – let you segue into that because that's what I was thinking exactly about Byron. I mean, for certain thing you want to go over, we could get into semantics with him, but that was a good, really strong uh, performance out of a kid who this time last year kind of had that, you know, was he really, should he really be here kind of look to him? And he performed uh, very well and with 
you know, only, I mean, basically two guys had the entire race. It was Martin Truex and Ben like uh, Mr. Ed, and he does a great job with Nano impressions. I guess we'll discuss that further later. But I give credit to Byron and, and Canals. They're, even though they got knocked out last week, a couple of weeks ago now, they they have taken a step in the right direction to where now they are putting themselves in a position where this 2020 season could be a breakout for uh, William Byron. And uh, if and whatever changes I may make for Chevrolet uh, in terms of bodies, but Keselowski, you know, after his dominant performance in the spring, not a great qualifying run, but came up, he battled. He had a lot of battle scars on that race car, getting a third place finish uh, one week too late in that case. I mean, Denny Hamlin, they, we all, there all the people who are anointing him already and, um, if he hadn't hit everything but the lottery on Sunday, maybe he could have outside of Martin Truex. But um, Ryan Blaney continuing his strong recent trend at Martinsville, emphasizing and kind of solidifying his spot in the playoff and giving himself a chance to possibly make it in. I mean, right now, Hamlin kind of is okay. Of course, Truex is in. But then you get into Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, Ryan Blaney are all in play there. Uh, Larson and Chase, which I guess we'll discuss uh, soon, soon after this, have some work to do. And, um, I mean, but Blaney, you know, considering a few weeks ago what we talked about, whether he was going to last uh, in this playoffs, if he was going to go anywhere, and now he has a puncher's chance to actually go and make Homestead. And, and you get 10 speed of Homestead, uh, whichever team, if there are teams, and you know that Roger Penske is going to put the pieces in place to give them the best chance to perform, generally speaking. Uh, so, I mean, uh, that's that's kind of what that is with those guys. I mean, all of them have their own stories, but definitely William Byron. That's a performance that kind of shows, goes back to his Buck Series days and even to the Xfinity a couple of years, last few years before he got in the Cup, where he kind of showed that potential. And um, it's a good sign for Hendrick uh, that he has him uh, if it continues like this, of course. Sure, I, I totally agree with that because, you know, like I said, Hendrick usually runs really good here at Martinsville. This is usually one of their best racetracks. The rest of the, his teammates did not have a good day, and we'll discuss um, one of them in particular, Chase Elliott, in a little bit. Um, but, you know, you go down a little bit, down the, down the running order a little bit. Joey Logano was in eighth. Uh, he got into a little bit of an issue there with Denny Hamlin in the closing stages of the event. It looked like whatever you want to point the blame uh, there was contact made between the 11 and the 22 car that sent Joe Logano into the outside wall. Um, Logano wasn't too happy about it, approached Denny Hamlin on pit road, uh, and it looked like things were civil, and then Logano decided to what looked like a shove or a push or a slap, whatever you want to call it, on the on Denny Hamlin that resulted in, a, in Denny Hamlin going after Joe Logano uh, and resulted in a pretty good brawl on pit road where Logano, where Hamlin was pulled down by one of Logano's pit crew members 
and he was actually suspended the pit crew member by one race by NASCAR for it. Um, and and I don't like you know I don't want to discuss the whole fighting situation and and, and uh, who who was in who won the fight and all that kind of stuff. But what I want to get to is the on track thing and and will this is this a retaliation where this could linger? I mean we saw a few years ago with Joey Logano with the same a similar situation with Matt Kenseth, uh, and it came all to head at Martinsville. But that lingered for three or four weeks before that was kind of you know settled. I guess you could call it. Um, do you think this is something that will linger here? And also, you know, Eric Amarola made some comments about Kyle Busch. Now, Amarola's out of the playoffs. Kyle Busch is in, but he said, I'll make it, quote-unquote, hell for him these last three weeks. Now, you also have Texas Phoenix at Homestead, three racetracks that uh, Kyle Busch was really good at. Will that 10 car be anywhere near Kyle Busch is, is the question. But, you know, as far as two drivers, four drivers and two real tangles that people kind of got into an argument, I guess, at Martinsville, are you afraid of anything that li- that will linger here with Hamlin and Logano or Amarola and Kyle Busch? What are your thoughts? I mean, Hamlin and Logano, I mean, we get back into it. They brought it up on the whatever motor mouse with Kyle earlier this afternoon about his deal with Amarola, and I think they have an existing beat that goes back a little ways. And the fact that Kyle went and he drove in the way he did after he was hitting everything. Him and Hamlin hit, I think, everything up a lot of on Sunday, and then they sat there shocked and all, like anybody would be mad about it. That's how they always act. Um, the thing with Hamlin and, and Logano, I think, goes back to when they were, before they were, while they were teammates, and that, then it, it escalated in 13 when they were running over each other, and then it ended up with Hamlin getting a back in. Uh, after a wreck of California, and I think there's always been a beef. They've never really respected each other. Um, and I honestly think it, in that case, I think there's like a Gibbs versus Penske deal in general. But when it comes to those two guys, they're both having to race for this championship. If they're going to take each other out. I think the only way they take each other out is, is if they're either both out of the championship or one has a chance and the other one doesn't. Um, it's not... Um, it's not good PR for either of them. Hamlin's had plenty of interesting PR in his life, and Joey Logano because of his behavior, you know, daddy's money kind of guy, but having talent. You know, neither of them are really getting PR uh, awards for their um, behavior on the racetrack. I don't think that they have to stay on the up and up uh, right now because both of them are in. Now, if that switches, I don't know. Kyle Busch was very honest and forthright for the time that I did watch. I was even thinking and compelled to the thought to call him, especially because of what we're going to discuss later about Gil and all that. But with him, his performance in this playoff has not been great. And for Eric Almarola, I like him. I respect him. He's gone through a lot in this series. Uh, and in general, in the NASCAR Big 3 series, to get to where he is, um, I'd be mad when that's one of the better ones they probably had all year, and it got wasted because Douglas just decided to run him over. I don't see him... Eric Almerol is not the kind of guy that's going to turn somebody in the tank, especially considering what happened to him a couple of years ago with the serious injuries he had. Um, and knowing Kyle Busch also has had serious injuries Whatever, I don't think he's going to do that. Um, the whole Matt Kenseth and NASCAR made tons of money off of it. 
deal was because Joey didn't handle it properly. Joey went to try to handle it. Um, you know, people ignore. Everyone talks about the little wimp. I, I don't want to use the word. I, there's a, another word that's more descriptive of the kind of slap or push or whatever you want to call it that Joey did. But there wasn't, I, I, I'm not saying it wasn't hard. It was harmless, but, you know, like, come on. You know, the guy's like, he's six foot four, 150 pounds, and he looks like a dweeb. I mean, come on. He's not going to hurt a freaking fly. Um, but then he, you know, he needs to get triggered because he's, he's an inbred from Virginia or whatever, and he has to come up and he isn't high to go and come up with his own thing. But he wagged his finger. Nobody talks about that part. You know, he wasn't, Joe, you listen to Joey's analysis, and like, he didn't feel, he just drove him into the wall, didn't care. Then when he talked to him, oh, I don't care. And then he does this little finger wag. And everyone ignores that part. Everyone just talks about the second part, like how passing the terms happens in the NFL. Everyone reacts to the second person that does or the hold. You know, everyone reacts to the second person that does an event or punch or whatever in, in, in football. That's what it is. He wagged his finger there. All Joey, all all Denny Hamlin had to do was turn around and go back his own way, and that probably wouldn't have happened either. The push happens, so then it becomes a buildup. And then he got to do his little impression of Joey Logano. And he, go, he goes and made a bunch of memes of him looking like Nick Dredd, which Danny Hamlin kind of does with, for all the stuff that he talks about Brad and people talk about him looking like a horse, but that's beside the point. Getting it all back to this, there's no reason to be going and in, in handling this now. Um, Eddie Goosage would love for all of them to go and get into a ring or whatever and have a fight. But um, most of these guys are pansies, uh, to be completely honest. Uh, the last time that I could figure there was an actual fight in NASCAR, Martin, I mean, Marcus Ambrose gave uh, Casey Mears a left cross at Richmond, and that fight ended very quickly. But then Marcus Ambrose was used to fighting because he had been involved in fights before in big spots. Um, but also Marcus Ambrose was a pretty burly guy. Uh, most of these guys are more likely to go and battle it out playing Hungry Hungry Hippos or something that would involve a board game or something than they would actually fight. Uh, most of them would lose in less than 10 seconds in an actual fight. So it, that's why in today's motorsport, the way things are, the way people use their cars as weapons, that's why it's not. Um, so I don't think anything is going to happen. I mean, early next year, you know, some of the races early in the year, they have an opportunity to dump them. Eh, I know it's early in the year, but I, there's too much on the line. And I think that, you know, because of the way that NASCAR is run these days, I don't think it's on brand. I mean, it may be on brand for them to make a ton of money because they'll replay it over and over again, but it's not on brand for people to um, using their car as weapons. And that was proven when uh, Matt Kenseth lost his mind on the Donald Trump. Comment 7889 that's the number to call. I just, you know, as far as the retaliation thing goes, uh, you, know, you, you just got to use your head if you're these guys, you know. Um, both Logano and Hamlin are still in the championship hunt right now. Logano's 14 points to the good. Hamlin's 24 points to the good. Um, and, I, you know, 
I, I think both of them are going to be focusing on the big picture, and that's good. But if one of them is out and Homestead comes, and you brought up a good point about Amarola as far as you know, he doesn't really wreck people, but you can still make somebody's life hell. Where you know you can Ryan Newman them where they make it real hard to yeah. get by him, especially if you're a lap car and and Cobb bushes, let's say Cobb bushes in the lead, and that ten car is going to lap down in fifteenth, he might sit there and say, you know what, I could I could let you go and make your life easier because you're the leader, but I'm going to run you hard as hard as I possibly can, um, and not let you by and make you work to pass me, uh, and it might slow you down your progress down just a little bit, and that could mean the difference between a first and a second place finish, and it could mean the difference between you advancing and not advancing. So that's what these guys have done here with this. And and, I, and if that's why if I was them, I would reach out and I would sort of try and, um, you know, mend the fences. But there are two drivers here, Philip, who when you look at the point standings after Holmes, after Miami – or excuse me, after Martinsville, and, and we're two races from Miami, uh, you got Texas and, of course, Phoenix there. And one driver is I think has a chance to – if he gets a lot of stage points at Texas uh, and even Phoenix – he can get himself in, but the other driver is 44 points out. And so he's almost put himself in a win-or-go-home situation here in these next two races, and that's Chase Elliott. Um, you know, they had a terrible weekend at Martinsville, starting with a blown engine, and the first few laps of practice on on Saturday morning, early on Saturday morning, blown an engine. And then, uh, of course, the, the broken axle there on Sunday, that really put him out of the race. And now Chase Elliott, who a lot of people – look at and say he's had a pretty good year this year and considering how Hendrick has run he has had a pretty good year but uh two real unfortunate incidents happened to Chase Elliott puts him 44 points back and I discussed this earlier in the year Philip and I don't know if you remember this uh with, with our colleague Spencer Cowan who's a big Kyle Larson fan and I said listen I think Larson's a great race car driver he does a lot of really good things um but my big pet peeve about Larson is that he hasn't figured out Martinsville yet. Uh, and he finished second in stage two and had a decent day, but it might not be enough mm. to get him to where he can advance in on points. He's going to have to probably win at Texas and win at Phoenix or win at Phoenix to get into the playoffs. So those two drivers right now, the two Chevrolet drivers who are still alive in the playoffs, Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott, find themselves 24 points back and 44 points back respectively. What are your thoughts on those two chances as we get ready to go to Texas Motor Speedway? Yeah, I mean, Clyde is up against it now. He's going to have to win uh, one of these two races to make it. Um, if this was, you know, a year ago or more further back, I wouldn't have that confidence or belief that he could. Uh, I do believe, I mean, the fact is, he talked about it at the Roval when he tried to blow it. He he did blow it and then came back. Uh, there's there's just an aspect about the way the season has been and how wacky it kind of has been that it leads me to believe that if Hendrick gets out, I mean, the fact it's amazing to me that their 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 bell cow, their cash cow, their the one that gets every, all that makes Hendrick the most money because he's the most he's always going to win the most popular driver. That's the car that has no problem with sponsorship. Chase ain't a bad kid. That's their number one car, and they're having serious mechanical problems multiple times over with this. That's inexcusable. I don't remember you. You and I have watched this for generally for the same amount of time. 
I don't remember a time when either Jeff Gordon or Jimmy Johnson especially, but then even when Terry Labonte was in still in his prime and he still had his brothers and he was winning a championship in high six. I don't remember any of those guys having serious mechanical issues multiple times over in big spots. I just don't. It, it, it's mind-numbing to me that this is happening with Chase. If it happens to Alex Bowman, who cares? He wants to run in a bubble wall or something. You know, he's got one, two relevant finishes in like six, five months. You know, if it happens to Johnson, he hasn't been relevant in two years. I get it when it comes to those guys. To a lesser extent, I think the reason why Byron's been okay is because Kanowski managing it as much as anything. He's trying to be like, it's almost like Belichick wanted with Jimmy Garoppolo, wanted to mold this guy and prove that he could do it with somebody else. That's what he's trying to do. But I just do not get how they could have this many problems. And especially in this day and age of NASCAR, where these failures don't seem to ever happen, which is why these races are as useless as they are generally, and they have to make all these stupid changes. I do believe if they can have a clean race, two clean races, Pace has been pretty decent at Phoenix. He won his one, he won his Xfinity Championship there before I think they did the reconfigure. He's been good there, but if it's going to be one of those two, it's I, I would take Chase Elliott for sure. It's 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 a wild card, and it's definitely really wild at this point that they're going to make it. But it would be those two. Kyle Larson, he finished ninth at Martinsville. I think it's probably his only other top ten he's ever had there. It wasn't a case that they put themselves in a bad spot. But in all reality, these, these two tracks are more likely to put him in a spot where he can make it, if he is going to make it. And if Kyle Larson has something, and if Ganassi really wants to get him into the final four and go and just split the, the playoff on his lid, they're going to have to show up. And, and it's as simple as that. Because it's really, at this point, it's really the five drivers for, for three spots. Uh, and that's mainly because Toyota and Ford are well ahead of Chevrolet. And that's been the case for the last couple of years, no matter how many rules they change. Uh, but I don't discount Chase Elliott trying to go in, or going and having a chance to win one of these next two weeks. I have an issue with the amount of issues that they're having outside of, you know, rep. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, un, it's unimaginable to me for, for watching Hendrick Motorsports for virtually my whole entire life of watching NASCAR. Hendrick Motorsports has been one of, if not their team. So it's unimaginable that their number one driver could have this many. Yeah, it used to be something. It's funny because, you know, this show has been around probably six or seven years, and the first host on this show was my brother, uh, who can't do it anymore due to uh, conflicting circumstances. But anyway, we used to have a running joke on this show for a while that called Joe Gibbs Racing. We used to call them, quote, unquote, mechanical failure motorsports because it seemed like whatever happened you know whenever joe gibbs got into a big spot they always had something stupid come on you know we i remember denny one time for whatever reason denny hamlin had fuel pickup problems when he needed to win a race at one time and it was just it seemed like whatever they had so many dumb yeah it seemed like so many dumb things happened to the joe gibbs racing 
And now they've corrected that, and they've won a couple of championships since then. Uh, so it, it's, they've corrected that a little bit. Uh, and you brought up a good point. We don't see that. We never saw that with Hendrick Motorsports ever. And now all of a sudden, you know, it just seems like Chase here in recent times. I mean, engine failure, nobody blows engines nowadays, and Chase has won, what, two in the last three, like six weeks? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. And it cost him track time on, on Friday. Excuse me, on Saturday morning. It cost him a lot of track time. And you can say what you want about uh, the axle braking. That stuff happens. But still, it just seems like a trend with this team now. And now Chase is virtually in a winner-go-home situation here in these next two weeks. Can he do it? Absolutely. I think Alan Gustafson, one of the top ten crew chiefs in the garage area. I think Chase Elliott's a, a very good race car driver. And he can go to Texas or Phoenix and pull off a victory there. But they're going to have to stop these weird circumstances that come up. And maybe it is out of their control. But if it is, they gotta, you got to hope then that the luck turns around for this nine team because right now things are, um, are not looking too good there on the way out. Uh, something else I want to discuss here, Philip. Um, the 25th place finisher on Sunday at Martinsville was Matt Crafton, who was making his second career cup start. His first one, if you remember, came back in 2015 when Kyle Busch broke his foot at Daytona and hit the, out, in the inside wall there. Crafton stuck around. Joe Toyota for uh, Joe Gibbs Racing in the Daytona 500 made his cup debut then. And on Sunday, he stuck around for a Ford driver after Matt Tift got, had to be taken to the hospital on Saturday, missed Sunday's race. Uh, and now it has come out that Tift will not only, miss, not only miss Sunday's race at Martinsville, but he will miss the final three races of the year. And I think there's some question. I don't know this for sure, but there seems to be, there seems to be the, the lingering thought that there's some worrisome worriness about Tiff's 2020 plans because he came out that he had a seizure and, and seizures, you know, it could take six months before you're in a race car in a car to even drive and in a seizure. And, and that's four months until Daytona. So now his 2020 plans are up in the air. Um, John Hunter Nemechek is going to run the final three races in the number 36 car starting at Texas. And of course in Phoenix and Homestead. Um, but, Tift, a driver who was in his rookie year in the Cup Series, has to be cut short here. We know he had some brain uh, issues a couple of years ago. We had to have brain surgery. Um, not a very good situation. We're thinking about Matt Tift. Not a great situation for him. But what does this do for Frontline Motorsports' future, you think? Tift brings some sponsorship there, Surface Sunscreen, Tunity, the app um, also as well there. Uh, what do you think this does for Frontline Motorsports, who sounds like, Philip, they're going to go down a two-car, te- a two-car team in 2020, Nothing confirmed there yet, um, but what are your thoughts there on the uh, on the front of motorsports front there with uh, Matt Tift? Yeah, I mean that's it's sad to hear for uh, Matt. I'm I'm glad that he is, you know, doing better. But I mean it's a shame uh, for him. You know, he needs work to get to this point. Whatever way you want to go and discuss how he got there or not, he's in a cup car. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't somebody that was causing problems. He wasn't somebody who was driving Rick Ware racing car and picking people off or or doing stupid stuff. You know, like he was just doing what he had to do. The team has not had a great year in general. Um I was gonna defer to you because you have more knowledge with your not only your fandom but some of the people that you know within the team. Uh, to where front row is going to go. I mean, there are some things, irons in the fire, that 
with Stuart Haas and their situation, not having room for Cole Custer, uh, where that might be in play. I I think also because GMS is not going to have an Xfinity program, it looks like, for all intents and purposes, because they're selling cars off to Andy Stice's uh, new effort. And then also because they announced their truck, and, you know, Stan Mayer and his daddy's money deal. Uh, it doesn't sound like John Hunter has arrived. So giving somebody like him an opportunity to kind of show what he can do, I think is nice. I've been a John Hunter guy. I haven't agreed with some of the moves that John Hunter made over his life in his career, but I think his potential and talent is there. And for front row, instead of harboring drivers that aren't really going anywhere, you might as well go and, like, they had the right idea when they had Chris Busher and Michael Castle, and they didn't stick with that for whatever reason. Um, I think that going down a road of, you know, being kind of like a farm system of sorts for a Stuart, be a Ford farm system instead of working against Ford um, might be beneficial to not only Bob Jenkins, but also to the general or to the organization's health. Um, I feel bad for Matt Tiff. I feel like if Matt isn't fully healthy, it kind of goes to the Brian Vickers thing, except decent, pretty decent driver. Um, if Tiff really wants to make a difference, it may not be a bad thing to go and sit on the sideline. And if we can fund an effort, say, hey, I'll fund somebody who's a friend of mine and say that one of these guys is close to it, and say, I'll fund them. And then if I can run, you know, limited races in the third car, they aren't running full fields these days. There's so many of these, you know, seller dweller type guys that are coming out with these cars. Matt Tiff can show up and qualify for races. That's not an issue. Um, but I do think that front row has a lot to think about. I do think front row motorsports is definitely going to look a lot different. Um, there's a lot of things in play because 41, Suarez might be out there. Custer might be out there. You know, John Hunter now. You have a couple other things in Xfinity probably going to fall out, you know, as things go on. Uh, people were talking about uh, Brett Moffitt before he got the deal uh, to stay around at GMS. Uh, he was in play for the 37. So, I mean, there's there are drive, there's plenty of talent out there, um, obviously, for Bob Jenkins. He doesn't want to have to fund it out of his pocket uh, fully. But I think it's a time at this point where the sport is in a transitional period where it's getting to in 2021, that it may be a good opportunity to give some new blood, fresh blood, uh, an opportunity, and at the same time, let Matt, if, you know, get healthy. If, and if he can drive again, have that car open. And if you have to downsize to get better or perform a little bit better, it might not be such a bad thing because you probably do need to do that. Yeah, listen, I think Front Row has, like you said, they still got some options on the table as far as what they want to do. They have three charters. They have um, a three-car team currently. I think this year they kind of spread themselves a little thin, and I think they know that with their three-car operation this year. 
they've really taken a step back from where they were a year ago. Um, even, you know, Tiff t- hasn't had a great year. They made a crew chief change. They made a swap between David Reagan uh, and Matt Tift earlier in the year. Um, so it's been a an interesting year for them. I think they're in a situation where they can kind of go a lot of different ways right now, and they're trying everything. I think they're you know even a little confused. I mean, the problem with them is they don't really have a affiliation with a team. They don't have a Bush an Xfinity Series team, and they're not unfortunately they're not competitive enough to really go out and get a big time driver, a big time young driver. So if somebody falls into their lap that's as good as John Hunter Nemechek, they might sit there and say, hey, you know what? Even if it's for two years, we get a, a good talented race car driver. In in his prime, um, and really ready to prove himself in Cup, let's go out and get him. So I think this is sort of a trial run to say, hey, show us what you can do here, John. I know it's only three races, but show us what you can do. And if you if you run good enough, you run in the top 20, you run in the top 25, we'll consider you for next year. So um, I do think there's a lot of things going on there for that team. I do think you're going to see that team go down from a three-car team to a two-car team. I think there was more to the David Reagan retirement than just him wanting to spend more time with his kids. I think they, they said, hey, we're going to knock this team down to a two-car operation. We're going to sell our charter. And David got kind of wind of that early and said, okay, you know what? This is time for me to get out. I don't want to sit around and be a free agent and run around and, and maybe sign a, a ride at, at Rick Ware or something like that. That's not what I'm into. I'll run a front row if they had me, if they have a three-car operation here, but it doesn't sound like they're going to do that. So I always felt like there was just a little bit more behind it. Um, so it sounds and, – and I think LaJoy kind of opened up the – the can of worms on that one a couple of weeks ago saying that it sounds like Front Row is going to run a two-car team, and uh, that's I think that as well. Um, moving on here, Philip, NASCAR Camp Gander Outdoor Truck Series event from Martinsville Speedway. It was a uh, the NASCAR Hall of Fame 200 from Martinsville, and ended up with Todd Gilliland and Victor Lane. Gilliland was was victorious. He finished. He beat Ross Chastain with Johnny Sauter third, Brennan Finger fourth. And then it was Timmy Hill, a tremendous run, and his own truck series team, a fifth-place run for him. And rounding up the top ten was Stuart Friesen, John Hunter-Dumacek, Danny Bowman, his first truck series event, finishing eighth. A nice job by him. Jeff Burton, ninth, and Cody Robal, tenth. A, a lot of carnage in the race. Hill in the yeah. track position late and hold off Ross Chastain. Um, but a, a huge win for Todd Gilland. But uh, he made more... I think even more, what's going to get more play in it is the fact that Gilland went on a radio after his win as he crossed the start finish line and basically told Cobbush to stay in his quote unquote effing motorhome, end quote, instead of uh, joining him in victory lane. Um, um, now, we know Todd's had a tough two years there. There's no doubt about uh, that. He's missed the playoffs last year, missed them this year. I think. You know, Kyle was very, very critical of his drivers this year, both him and um, uh, Harrison Burton as well. But Todd in particular, because Todd had so much success in the West and East series, and he comes up to the truck series and really hasn't had that success. Now, not saying he's a bad race car driver, but for whatever the reason, there was not a lot of success there with Todd Gilliland. And it made people sit there and go, okay, well, he's done. You know, that he's obviously not coming back there. They haven't really announced anything. It sounds like um, Eckes, Christian Eckes is going to go to that truck series team next year. Not sure where, where else they're going to go. Maybe um, Tyler Ankrum as well. Who knows? But long story short, you know, Gilland, his little outburst kind of hinted that, you know, he wasn't very happy with Kyle Busch. 
his dad gets a gets is Cassie's and engines from Cobbush Motorsports as well. His dad's DCR Crosley truck team. But there are rumors now coming out, and this is you know I saw it on on Reddit today, but I didn't only see it on Reddit. I heard it from a couple of people that David Gilland Racing will move to Ford next year in the truck series, uh, and maybe field the Ford for Todd Gilland next year as well in the truck series. So keep an eye on that here in the next couple of weeks. So maybe that was sort of a, a Todd knowing that, saying, well, I'm not going to have to worry about Kyle Busch next year at all. But what do you make of all this? Listen, I understand Kyle Busch is a, a very, very um, – people, either you love him or you hate him. And yeah. I understand Todd Gilland's frustrations for sure. But I'm in a type of, of, of person where I don't like to burn bridges um, because you never – this is such a small sport. You never know what – when you're going to need to rely on somebody, you know, for example, Daryl Waltrip, when he had his terrible, terrible struggles there, his, his quote was always, you know, you have to be nice to people on the way up because nobody's going to catch you when you come back down because the fall can be devastating if there's nobody to catch you on the way down. And Dale Earnhardt basically, when he ran in 98 in DEI, basically caught him and put him in a, in a good car again. And he was forever thankful that he was good enough to Earnhardt to where Earnhardt would do that for him. Um, and Todd Gellin's a young kid, and we all make mistakes. Um, and, again, I understand his frustration, but I don't like him so young in his career. Basically, I think burning a bridge with Kyle Busch, maybe even Toyota, and maybe even Joe Gibbs Racing down the line. What are your thoughts on Todd Gilliland and his comments to Kyle Busch? I mean, we, we're missing another point where um, the great coverage that we get from walks or uh, went out, and we only heard sound of that green light checkered, and we had to tolerate the horrendousness that is Vince Welsh. Um, I mean, I can't understand. I mean, that's a separate aside. We'll probably do this in the postseason after the season to discuss what's good and bad with this sport, but holy mother of God. You have a green light checkered when you have all this nonsense going on, and then the the picture goes out with two laps to go. That's pathetic. Um, I didn't hear it until I saw it on social media and it made me laugh because that's the, you know what, I'm getting fired. I know you're firing me anyways, or he probably is getting fired. And he's like, well, that's you. I don't care. I just won in your stuff. You act like I can't win in your stuff. So here, I just won in your stuff. Now, granted, now, I'm going to preface this. The reality is when you consider Chastain didn't have the best truck by any means. He didn't have a really good truck. He probably pitted way too early, so he was able to get moved over. It was a combination of both excuse me, both uh, Kyle Busch trucks because Harrison went and helped him there, uh, and he dumped himself in the process. Uh, that's why part of the reason why Todd won that race. I have my personal belief, and it goes into a whole segment that we could probably do a rant segment on uh, my thinking and beliefs on Kyle Bush and how he runs his own truck team. Uh, this goes back to the way he ran, you know, daddy's money moron uh, that drives a nine car in the Xfinity series. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Gregson. He only won one race last year, and he had to sit down at Pocono because he was having a, quote, health issue, end quote. 
and nobody ever told us what that health issue was. Uh, and then he miraculously came back the following week. And he only won one race, and he had Rudy Rudy Fugel. And then this year you have Todd Dillon who just missed the playoffs. People want to act like he was like out of it. He missed races earlier in the year, and then got it. It turned eighteen. Came in. They missed. They had everything happen to him that could cost him a win. Ran out of gas, tired, this wreck, all that. He wasn't out to lunch. The fact is, Kyle Busch Motorsports has not been good this year, outside of the 51 truck. And what is the common denominator? It's freaking Rudy Fugel. Who was the guy that was there when Chris Bell won his championship? Rudy Fugel. Who was the guy that was there when Eric Jones won his championship? Rudy Fugel. Who was a crew chief when yeah, I said Byron in? And then you, you have Rudy Fugel there last year. Rudy Fugel's the best crew chief, he's the guy. If you really believe in your drivers, you don't put Rudy Fugel on a truck that's going to have 17 different drivers driving it all year. I, I, and that's just a basic 101. If you really were serious about winning a truck series championship, you give Todd Gillen that respect, or you give Harrison Burton that shot. He couldn't do it to Harrison because he's a raw rookie. But they, but there had to have been something going on anyways because the fact is he goes and he's getting the 20 car when he's not been great, really all that impressive in a truck. I mean, there, there's there's other things going on with that whole, whole deal. Toyota's mm-hmm. way of running business is borderline and it has been for decades. It goes back to outside of before they even got in a NASCAR. Um, I give Dylan credit for going off like that. I just find it funny. I also know that he was going to go and his dad's going to hire him anyway. I give DCR Crosby credit for going and moving the Ford because it gives him options going to that new ARCA, the expanded ARCA championship. Um, because it's a stock engine anyways. Who, the hell, who cares what body style you run anymore? It's the same engine, it's right. the same crappy Elmore 396. So go and run Fords. There's more Fords available than Toyotas. Okay, fine. I'll go and run Fords. It's a better business decision for, for Gillen. And David Gillen did most of his driving in his career, uh, especially in Cup, in a Ford. He won his one Xfinity race in a Chevy. But he did most of his Cup driving in his career, if not all of it, in a Ford. And, you know, it might be cheaper. There's there's Brad Keselowski trucks probably out there. That's how Jesse Little had his team going, you know. And and the fact that I don't think yeah. Decker is going to be around, so then she won't be destroying trucks every week. So the point is they, they might true. condense them down to, to uh, instead of a three to a two-truck effort. And that would be Todd Gillen and, you know, insert driver, uh, whether it's Ingram, whether it's, uh, the guy who's been driving a 15 truck uh, line this year, Vargas, or I'm forgetting. You know, like there's there's guys they've had in that in their pipeline that are just talented guys. Um, you know, and I think for for what it is for burning a bridge, Toyota has a very limited number of people for whatever reason, and burning a bridge with them doesn't really matter all that much. We can go down the list of all these people that have went out of the Kyle Busch Motorsports 
stable and have found employment. Uh, some of the guys are in Cup right now. Uh, some of them are in Xfinity. So as long as you prove that you have some level of talent and you're going to use Toyota's money to do it, Toyota's going to basically fill seats for Ford and, and Chevy because of the way that they run their business model. So God bless them. If they're going to be that dumb, you can't fix it. Yeah. So go and, go and run all these guys. Let them wreck a lot of stuff. If they're going to wreck them, if they're going to win, they're going to win, and they're not going to be able to keep all of them. So they're going to go and sure. uh, build up the Cup and Xfinity. Nine seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. That's the number to call here on Talking Circles. Like Lee in Virginia. Good evening, Lee. What's going on tonight? Hello, boys. How are you guys doing? We're great. Um, good, you have an opinion about this Todd Gilliland situation, and and uh, how about or or the silly season? Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff flying around there in the silly season we were discussing earlier. Um, you know, kind of wide open topics tonight. What are your thoughts? You got any thoughts on on any of that situation? Well, I am hearing that the that the Ty Dillon exiting the 13 Geico car and Daniel Hemrick reentering is picking up steam um, again after Ty has come out several times and has said now that, you know, he will be back next year and, and have a future there. Uh, that rumor is picking up steam again. I guess, you know, the, the thing was with Daniel Hemrick, uh, he was going to go to Front Row Motorsports, but looks like Front Row Motorsports might scale back to two teams. So there's still a lot of things up in the air, uh, silly season-wise. I thought John Hunter was an interesting hire. Got to wonder how much money Joe threw at, 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 uh, at, uh, at uh, Bob Jenkins there, who isn't influenced by money. So, um, you know, but I think Joe definitely bought that three-race deal there for John Hunter. So we'll see how he does in that. But uh, talking about Todd Gilliland, uh, no doubt he's going back to his dad's team. I think, you know, you guys made good points about Rudy Fugel. It's not fair to compare him because he's not in a Rudy Fugel prepared truck. Um, but sometimes I, I would rather him owned it rather than come out now and apologize. He should have owned it and said, hey, you know what? Todd, Kyle said some mean, nasty things about me. I'm not happy about it. I don't think we were we were evaluated fairly, and you know I still feel the same way I felt. I would buy it more and I would respect him more if he said that rather than saying it over the radio and then coming out later and apologizing about it. Um, and as for Harrison Burton, he's clearly got some money behind him, and that's why he's going to the 20 Xfinity car next year. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there, Lee, on as far as owning it. I mean, you know. It's not, it wasn't a secret that you said it, you know, and, and when you chew that mic up, everybody's everybody knows you know, that's going out for a mass audience now, especially with uh, we have the, you know, cut down and, and all people watch now. It seems like, you know, some people don't even watch the race. They just watch the radioactive uh, recap and, and they think they, that they've watched the race. So, um, you know, it, it certainly would have been nice to see him come out and say, yeah, you know what? I'm mad about it for sure. I, I you know I'm happy to win and it was great to get the win but I'm angry about what Kyle Busch um, said about me and, and my teammate and uh, you know to get the victory lane feels really good and yeah I, I probably shouldn't have said it but um, you know what I'm, I'm angry something like that that would have been really cool to see uh, you know how about the truck series in general I mean is there a lot of stuff going on do you think as far as um, silly season is concerned there you know sounds like Gilliland might move to Ford. I've been hearing that. Uh, but anything else that you're hearing over there, um, Lee in Virginia? Well, you know, the Kyle Busch deal is interesting because there is something going on 
with him personally that um that has been rumored about and and mm-hmm. you know that truck team may not be back next year is what I'm hearing. Um now Christian Eckes has supposedly been signed on to drive there and return there and replace Harrison Burton. Um but nothing's been officially announced. Obviously there's been nothing announced for the four truck either at Cobbush Motorsports and then the all star truck is the fifty one. It'll be really interesting if that team does go away. Where what happens, and then you know where um, that Toyota funding goes if it does go away from Kyle, and who might own the team. Uh, but at that point, also you got to look at. You talk about Gilliland going to Ford. It's going to be Ford backed, obviously. Um, you know Ford's going to put some money and in, in, in some resources there. They already have that with Thor Sport. Are they sort of doing what Toyota's doing and trying to create a driver development program? With with Gilliland's team because you know they'll have Todd there. I'm sure they have another young driver or two there in another truck, as well. Um, are they seeing what Toyota's doing and saying, "Hey, we need to do that same thing"? Uh, and and if that's the case, what is their Xfinity Series program going to look like next year? Stewart Haas Racing right now with Biagi Denbeste. They have Chase Briscoe. No word on whether or not he's going to be back. Cole Custer's rumored to go rumored to go Cup racing. If Suarez doesn't go, get in the 41, Custer will be in the 41. What happens to that team? They only have three teams right now with the two Stuart Haas teams and Team Penske. Are they going to only have one Cup or one Xfinity Series team in Xfinity with Team Penske next year if the two Stuart Haas teams go away, um, if Custer goes Cup racing? That's interesting if they're going to throw some money at this truck deal. So something to watch in the Xfinity Series as we get on here uh, getting closer. Yeah, silly season hasn't picked up yet, quite yet, or hasn't finished quite yet. For the Xfinity Series, you know, Cup is sort of there's a few t- smaller deals going on at Cup that aren't settled yet. But as far as trucks and Xfinity goes, uh, silly season is far, far, far from over. Um, Lee, great call as always. And anything else you want to add before we let you go tonight? Denny Hellman's going to win a championship this year. Okay, in- very interesting to see to, to hear that. I, I agree with you. I think. Denny's got uh, a, a good chance at, at winning it. And, Lee, thanks so much for the call. And be sure to call Thank back again if you can. Thanks so much. That's Lee in Virginia. Um, interesting pick for Denny Hamlin for winning the championship there from Lee. Uh, truck series, though, Philip. really nobody's out just yet. Uh, you know, they have Phoenix before they get to Homestead. They have just two races to go in their season. They, the Texas race, the second Texas race, of course, was removed was moved to where when Greg Biffle won uh, back in, I think it was June, when Greg Biffle pulled off a win there. Um, so yeah. the truck series now has Moffitt, Stuart Friesian, Ross Chastain, and then Austin Hill right now in the top four with Crafton nine points out and Tyler Ankrum um, 15 points out. But what a mistake Crafton's team made there with the – I know they had the ECU, but Ooh. not plugging the computer in. That cost them a lot of little points. And potentially a new day and potentially a championship. So real two kind of crazy situations there with Crafton as far as the engines go, but a, a horrible, horrible mistake there by that 88 truck uh, to, to cost them a lot of points there on Sunday. And really, call, I think it could potentially cost Matt Crafton a championship. What are your thoughts on the truck series and, and what we see here with, with just two races to go? Yeah, I mean, Chastain solidified himself. Uh, game. I mean, I think, you know, barring a nightmare Phoenix 
uh, he'll be there, which will which will make it the battle that I think everybody has wanted all year, which is a heads-up battle between the mustache of Brett Moffitt and Ross Chastain's watermelon in his beard. Uh, it would be, I hope, honestly, I know Spencer is, obviously, uh, but the for this series, considering how bad it's shown, it's it, uh, a broadcast, uh, they need a battle like Ross Chastain versus Brett Moffitt for the championship. Whoever else is there really doesn't matter. Uh, Thor Sports Nightmare playoff uh, in large part due to Ilmore, uh, Matt Crafton for some, I don't know what was going on. They had a battery problem or they had some sort of electrical problem that became, oh, we didn't plug in. Like, come on. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And I, I mean, I wanted to give credit to Matt Crafton because he's had two cup races in his career. Neither of them did he have any practice and he's shown up and he's done really well and caught and especially on Sunday, probably did better than what the actual driver would have done in the Daytona 500 with the coin flip. He was doing really well before he got wet. Uh, Matt Crafton is an underrated guy uh, in general for the kind of potential and the talent that he's shown over his career. Um, he's made his home in the truck, and um, he's been loyal to Duke and Ron to Thorson, and they've been loyal to him. It's a great thing. Uh, if he can go and win another championship, I don't know if that's possible. He hasn't shown that ability to win a race, but you never know. If he goes and pulls him out of his butt at Phoenix and gets there, he could win that third championship. And then, you know, then you're talking about NASCAR Hall of Fame for possibility for uh, Matt Crafton. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Tyler Ankrum, I like him. He's an interesting-looking guy. He fits a lot of stereotypes that you can drive. Uh, and uh, if DGR Crosley had a little more energy behind him, I think he would be a real factor because he has Bono Mania and he's one of the more underrated people in this sport. But I think what we have right now, even though Austin Hill has not performed in this round, uh, is a, what we're going to have going into Homestead. But once you get past that, it's really going to be the 24 versus the 45. Um, and uh, because Brett Moffitt, we, we ignore the fact that Brett Moffitt dominated that race before he had his problems because he got stuck in traffic uh, and got wrecked out. Um, it's, and so, I mean, it's going to be an interesting uh, thing to see in uh, not this week, but next week, next Friday night, uh, a couple weeks from now at Phoenix. Uh, for that uh, cutoff to see who's going to go and make it to Homestead for sure. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting in the truck series. They don't run again until Phoenix, so we'll talk about them on the next episode of Talking Circles. Cup and Xfinity this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, track's been a little bit difficult to watch some races there uh, since the reconfiguration, but we'll be able, I guess, you know, everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's in the same boat here this weekend, so We'll see uh, as far as who's fast, and really we'll get a good look at the playoffs here at Texas Motor Speedway since it's a mile and a half track. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles, William Virginia for calling. I want to thank Philip Matthew for helping, uh, doing a great job as always, and co-host. See you next time here on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody.